relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal i know not what course others may take but as for me give me liberty or give me death the world will little note or long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great again. is America First with Sebastian Gorka. Thank you for joining us on America First with today's very special guest host, Cleveland's own Bob France. Thank you, Dr. G. What an amazing week it has been. I've been listening to Dr. G every day. I have been talking about this extraordinary situation in the Middle East every day, but not just because of how it affects the Middle East and our friends and our allies in Israel, but how it affects us here in the United States. And today, if you're wondering how and why and what the focus will be today, if you're watching right now on SebGorka.com or on the Salem News Channel or on Rumble or anywhere else that you're watching, you see my background, right? That is what we're going to be talking about in large part today, not again just because of the ramifications that it has on what goes on in Israel, but on the ramifications it is going to have on you, our security in the homeland, and our way of life. So welcome to America First. I am Bob France. I'm live in Cleveland, Ohio. Follow me on social media so that we can engage with one another when I'm not privileged enough to be hosting America First. I'm on Twitter at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z-R-A-N-T-Z. I'm on Truth Social at Always Write W-H-K. That's my home base here. The ReliefFactor.com studios of W-H-K Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. I'm on Rumble and on Facebook and on Instagram as Always write radio. Always write radio. Just one word. You can take that however you wish because I mean it both ways. So we've got a very important show lined up. It's a Second Amendment Friday, as you know, so we're going to talk to John Arlott Jr. a little bit later on. We're hoping to be able to talk with Riley Gaines, warrior for free speech and for biology. 
defending women against the intrusion of their plate, their spaces, their places, their uh, competition and so forth by confused men. We're going to talk uh, with her uh, about that. And of course, we are going to talk uh, with you. Oh, I almost forgot. Senator J.D. Vance, senator from Ohio, is striking. I'm Ohio. He's striking every single chord in the United States Senate perfectly, as far as I'm concerned. He is doing a phenomenal job. It's the reason why he was indeed the winner of the uh, uh, very hotly contested Republican primary, and he beat uh, uh, beat uh, um, uh, Tim, uh, Tim uh, why can't I remember Tim's name? I wanted to say Sherrod Brown, the current senator, Democrat senator, Tim Ryan. Uh, J.D. Vance is killing it. He's doing a phenomenal job in the Senate. He's got a great message. We're going to talk to him. That's not until hour number three, though. So between now and then, we can hear from you at 833-33-GORKA, 833-334-6752. I want to talk for just a second, if I may. I want to talk a little bit about um, the ceasefire. The first senator, the first United, United States senator to call for a ceasefire. We have heard the Hamas squad sometimes called the Hamas caucus, led by Rashida Sharia Tlaib in the House. And then, of course, with Ilhan Omar and there's Jayapal and there's so many others, uh, members of that all, uh, you know, Palestinian supporting and terrorist supporting caucus. We've heard them on the House side. We have not yet heard. They're screaming for a ceasefire. They're demanding a ceasefire. They are pushing and propagating all of the propaganda of Hamas about what's going on and about who's dying and who's being affected by the Israel self-defense exercises that they are carrying out in Gaza. And I want to emphasize it that way and I want to I want to clear make make sure it's very clear that way. What Israel is doing is not an offensive. What Israel is doing is they invade Gaza. What they're doing are self-defensive exercises. Not offensive. Very important to know that. Certainly not collective punishment. Certainly not genocide. Nor any of the other things that the Palestinian propaganda arms try to push. And they have a number of, of wonderfully supportive people in the United States Congress. On the House side and now on the Senate side, Dick Durbin is calling for a ceasefire. Joe Biden... What about our commander-in-chief? What about the supposed staunch ally of Israel that's putting his own re-election chances at risk, we're told? Because he's daring to show some support for Israel, which may cost him all of, of uh, Rashida Tlaib's voters in Dearborn, Michigan, putting the essential swing state of Michigan in play for Donald J. Trump or whomever, and it's going to be, but uh, whomever is going to be the Republican candidate. How supportive of Israel can he be when he is calling for a pause or a series of pauses so that um, they can effectively get some of the hostages and some of the Americans out of Gaza and into Egypt? Let's give them a pause. Give them some room. Let's take a little time out uh, from the from the uh, from the bombing and timeouts from the extraction of Hamas from the holes and from under the rocks uh, where they live. Let's take a pause there. A pause is akin to a ceasefire, at least a temporary ceasefire. So I'm going to talk about ceasefires, and I'm going to talk about what that looks like. I'm going to talk about what that means. I'm going to use a a bit of a metaphor here. I tweeted, if you follow me on Twitter at France Rants, and I tagged in Dr. G. Seb Gorka, that I can beat Mike Tyson in a boxing match. I'm 55 years old. 
I've never been at a professional boxing match in my life, and Mike Tyson, even though he's in his 50s, is still a fearsome, fearsome, very, very destructive man. I can beat him in a, in a, in a boxing match. You want to know how? Here's how. I can beat Mike Tyson as long as I follow Hamas and Democrat rules. Right? And here's how it works. Before the bell to start round one begins, I go over to the corner where Mike Tyson is chilling, and I punch him in the face as hard as I can, you know, catching him off guard. And then as he stands up and draws his fist back to destroy my world, I say, ceasefire! Ceasefire! Hold on, we got a ceasefire. He has to stop. He has to, he has to stop. Mike Tyson Israel is Israel. I'm Hamas. And I call a ceasefire. And so he can't do anything. And he goes back and sits back down again. And just when he is unsuspecting, once again, I come over to him and I punch him in the face as hard as I can. And as soon as he is ready to kill me, ceasefire, I call ceasefire. You can't hit me. You can't hit me. No, no, no. We're in the middle of a ceasefire here. And I can repeat that again and again and again and again. Until Mike Tyson eventually does one of two things. Either quits making me the winner, or he says, to hell with your ceasefire, France. And he comes over there and beats me into my grave. That's the only, those are the only two outcomes. That is what the ceasefire looks like. Hamas unsuspectingly goes in and attacks and kills 1,400 Jews in the most horrific, just sadistic manner possible, capturing 200-plus of them, murdering 1,400 of them, uh, wounding over 4,000 of them in the most barbaric, sadistic, medieval style possible. And just when Israel is starting to fight, ceasefire! Ceasefire, nope, nope, put those down, you put those bombs down, you stop this incursion right now, we're calling for peace. And if Israel does what they want them to do, which is to agree to the ceasefire and not punch me back in the face, going back to my metaphor, what do you think is going to happen? You damn well better believe it. They're going to once again come back and hit Israel again. How do we know that Hamas would never honor such ceasefire, such a ceasefire? How do we know this? We know this not because, well, we just don't trust them because they're, you know, a bunch of uh, Arab Muslims and they're sadistic barbarians and things that they proved they were the first time. No, it's not just a matter of probably because we've seen what they're all about. It's guaranteed because they have told us so. Does Tony Blinken know that? Does Joe Biden know that? I promise you nobody else in America knows that because the American media has yawned at it. It's crickets. Hamas says we will never cease fire. We will never stop. We will come back again and again, and we'll do it again. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. 
Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And again, I can beat Mike Tyson as long as he fights with ceasefire rules. we got a lot to talk about together, you and I. Bob Branson for Dr. G. Stay here. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. Patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see tyrannical implications. The end of cash? The end of financial privacy? Big government able to see your every purchase? Could there be ties to a social credit system? You can own private currency. Gold and silver. Get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653. MidasGoldGroup.com. I'm Seb Gorka. Now let's get back to the show with Bob France. All right, Dr. G, thank you. Hour three is underway, and I am indeed in the relieffactor.com studios in Cleveland, Ohio. And here in Ohio, we have a huge couple of monumental constitutional amendments to decide on next week. And joining us now to discuss those issues and much more is U.S. Senator J.D. Vance from Ohio. Senator Vance, we're four days away now. Yep. From November 7th, issue one is, according to polling, going to win. It is going to pass. Um, I don't think it's carved in stone yet. I'm seeing some signs of momentum on the no one issue on issue one sign. But, but yeah. where are you or side? I should say, where are you on this four days out and what last minute appeal can you give to those who are maybe undecided? Yeah, so look, I don't think it's carved in stone at all. We've always gonna we we were always gonna have an uphill climb, and I think we have a real shot here. I think there are signs of momentum. I've seen some polling that suggests that things are closing pretty tightly, and importantly, that issue one yes has not hit that fifty percent threshold, which means there's a lot of undecided voters out there. So I do think that we have a chance. Get out there and vote. Uh, this is not a foregone conclusion. If you believe that it is, that's how we ultimately lose. Here, here's my basic pitch. Look, first of all, if you're pro-life like I am, you want to save as many babies as possible, clearly you should vote no on issue one. That's easy. But I think even if you're pro-choice, even if you think that there should be some ability to have an abortion in the state of Ohio, I think there are a few different reasons why issue one is a huge, huge mistake. Number one, let's say, God forbid, you have a 15-year-old girl who has an unplanned pregnancy. We want the, their mom to be in the room with them when they have to make this decision. We want parents to have the ability to be notified to have some role in the healthcare decisions of their kid. Issue one takes that away from people. That's why you should be vote on you should be a no on issue one. Number two, 
let's say you're pro-choice, but you think there should be some limits. You shouldn't be able to abort a baby at 30 weeks. You shouldn't be able to abort a baby after the baby can feel pain. Maybe you think there should be some exceptions in cases of life at the mother or rape, but you don't want taxpayer-funded abortion up to the moment of birth. Issue 1 takes that away from people. It enshrines taxpayer-funded abortion really up into the moment of birth into the United, or into the Ohio Constitution. So I really think even if you are pro-choice, most people I know who are pro-choice, they want some limits on abortion. They want some ability for the legislature to be able to to make it a requirement that parents are involved in the health care decisions of their kids. Issue one takes all of that away, which is why I encourage even people who don't see eye to eye with me on the abortion issue. I think you should still be no on issue one. You know, the the world isn't actually lived on Twitter. Many people think it is or X. And and I go by that for just to kind of get a pulse of, of of Ohioans right now. And the the yes on issue one side just continues to call people like you, people like me, liars. Yeah, they're saying that um, there's nothing in that bill, there in that uh, in that constitutional amendment, in that language that says you can abort up to the moment of birth. Part- partial birth abortions are illegal anyway. A federal ban on those things. And there's nothing that says parents don't have a say. And if you look at just the lines of the legislation or the amendment. They're right. But what you have to do is read between those lines. It's not what it says, what is not said. When it doesn't say woman, which is defined as an adult female, and it says individual, that means it can be applied to minors. When it, you know, same thing with the parental rights, same thing with the the transing situation. If you read reproductive rights as being every step of the reproductive rights thing, when you transition and take puberty blockers, you are essentially making yourself sterilized. You're going to be infertile. That's a reproductive decision. And individuals can make that decision. So how do you respond to those who are saying you're lying because it doesn't say specifically in the amendment language that parents can't have a say and that this applies to gender transitioning and so on and so forth? Well, let me say a few things. First of all, uh, the amendment talks about viability as being the threshold. Nobody really knows what viability means. That is not an easily defined term. You could easily have a court define that up to the moment of birth, which is why I say that I think issue one will enshrine abortion up to the moment of birth. There's well, another. But, but just, just quickly on Please. that, they, it goes past that, though, because it says even after the point of viability, an abortion may be granted if, in the opinion of the provider, exactly. which is the abortionist, that the mother needs it for her health. And that can mean emotional health, health psychological health, financial health, et cetera. So that's exactly right, Bob. So this gets into another issue. When people talk about the health of the mother, I think what most normal people think, understandably so, is you have a situation where, God forbid, the baby is just not viable and we don't want to force a woman to carry a baby to term that's, that's already, you know, again, God forbid, already not living inside of her. That's what most people think. And absolutely, that is a reasonable position to have. What this amendment will do in practice when it's interpreted, especially by, you know, very, very uh, liberal courts, in practice, it will say that if you would face emotional distress by delivering a 36-week-old baby, then you can have an abortion. Well, look, emotional distress is in the eye of the beholder. And when the eye of the beholder is the abortionist's eye, then you are effectively throwing open the gates to no limits on abortion under any circumstance. Now, here's the final point I make about this. This, uh, this abortion amendment is framed by its advocates, Again, we want to be no on issue one, but it's framed by the yes campaign as giving people the right to make decisions about abortion. But in reality, what it will do is it will enshrine an incredibly broad and incredibly poorly defined amendment into the Ohio Constitution. Then the courts get to make these decisions about what issue one really means. We know in the past they interpret this stuff broadly, but that's not giving people 
the power. That's giving judges the power to decree radical abortion policies for the entire state of Ohio. It's a bad deal for the state. And if you don't like what Ohio is doing on abortion, we should, you know, elect new legislatures. Write to your state senator or to your state representative and say, we would like a change. I think putting this in the Ohio Constitution, taking it out of the hands of the state legislature, really putting it into the hands of some radical judges, it's a bad deal for the state of Ohio and goes way, way too far. The the, the other thing I'll ask you about this is the uh, yes on issue one ads that continue to run. They continue to be completely dishonest, not even deceptive, just straight up lying, yeah. saying that. This the you have to vote yes on issue one to stop Ohio's extremely restrictive abortion ban. That if you get pregnant and you need, you know, care for a miscarriage or ectopic or anything else, you can't get it. You have to have the baby. If you get pregnant uh, 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 in your rape, if you're a rape victim, you can't get rid of the baby. You have to carry your baby to term because of Ohio's restrictive abortion ban. There is no abortion ban in place right now. The one that was passed and signed into law, you know, which is the heartbeat law, is is currently in court. We have no idea whether it's going to be allowed to be in or not. Um and yet they're telling us that it exists. Um, and they're also suggesting that if you're raped, you, you can't have an abortion under any circumstances. Even if the heartbeat law does exist, if the court says it can exist, you have six weeks. And I would imagine that anybody, minor or otherwise, who suffers a rape, that at some point in six weeks would, would, would take a pregnancy test and find out if they were indeed impregnated by the act and therefore still be able to act accordingly under that law. So the ban is not what they say it is. No, that's exactly right, Bob. There's a ton of dishonesty here, and they're trying to sell this thing as, as effectively what you said. Their argument is if you're an 11-year-old girl and, God forbid, you're raped, you have to carry the baby to term under Ohio's law. That is not Ohio's law, even if the courts uphold the current statutory provisions in Ohio, that is not the law in the state of Ohio. The case that everybody talks about, and this came up during our Senate campaign, of this terrible situation of a 10-year-old girl who was raped and became pregnant, what nobody mentions, who's sort of using this as the, as the perfect test case for the pro-choice side, what nobody mentions is that, number one, she was raped by an illegal alien, a person who never should have been in this in this country in the first place. That's huge. Number two, they were trying to procure an abortion arguably to cover up the crime. You had a little girl who was being preyed on by an illegal alien. They were procuring an abortion in another state. The problem here is that you have an illegal alien raping a 10-year-old girl and trying to procure an abortion. Why weren't, we, why weren't law enforcement officials notified the day after this happened? That, that is the problem here is a little girl who was preyed upon the fact that they're using her case mm-hmm. to try to advance abortion up to the moment of birth is really sick stuff. It really is. And uh, we don't even address the issue of pain capability at 15 weeks, weeks which, I, I, again, I cannot imagine the giddiness and the excitement of people to say, yes, we made it legal to kill babies after they can feel themselves being dismembered and the things that go on. And I'm sorry for being graphic, but no, we, no, have to Bob, face, this, we have to face what it is. But this is a really important point here. If you take take the, the Ohioans, the Americans who describe themselves as pro-choice, they believe in a right to an abortion. I'm pro-life. We can have that moral disagreement. Right. Even the people who describe themselves as pro-choice, they don't want to have abortions after the baby can feel pain. They don't want partial birth abortion. They don't think that you should be able to walk into a doctor's office 35 weeks pregnant and claim emotional distress and then abort your baby. Now, the other argument these guys make is this never happens, right? Nobody ever walks into a doctor's office 35 weeks pregnant and wants to abort a healthy baby. And God, I, I wish that was true. But it's not, Bob. We, we know there's data out there from the Guttmacher Institute, which, by the way, is a pro-abortion organization. There are 8,000 
purely elective abortions, late-term abortions that happen in this country every single year. That is post-viability. That is no reason to abort the baby other than the mom or the, the dad want to. That is not humane health care. That is not pro-choice. That's not even, remember, Bill Clinton used to say safe, legal, and rare. That is radical pro-abortion policy, and these guys are trying to write it into the Ohio Constitution. Vote no one issue one to prevent them from doing Perfectly so. well stated. And we have more coming up with Senator J.D. Vance right after this on America First. On this My Pillows 20-year anniversary with over 80 million My Pillows sold, Mike Lindell wants to thank you by giving you the lowest price in history on their My Pillows. You will receive a queen-size My Pillow for just 19.98, regular price 69.98, and just $10 more for a king size. You will receive deep discounts on all My Pillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on go to mypillow.com click on the radio podcast square and use promo code gawker to receive this amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for 19.98 or call 800-829-8468 this offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee it's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve go to mypillow.com promo code g-o-r-k-a or call 800-829-8468 today mypillow.com code gawker I'm Seb Gorka. Now let's get back to the show with Bob France. Yeah, let's do that, Dr. G. 20 minutes after the hour. We're right back here on America First. Senator um, uh, J.D. Vance is our guest. I was prepping for the conversation today, and last night I was looking up an issue on Article 2, or excuse me, an article in Issue 2, beg your pardon. Headline, Brown supports Issue 2 while Vance remains silent. (laughs) And I I, I didn't find anything to disprove that. Have you spoken out about Issue 2 and where you sit on that? So I have. I'm, I'm a no on issue, too, just to be clear. Good. Um, and I, I, I mean, what's weird about that article is I've given a few interviews where they ask me about issue two. And I always say I'm no on issue two. And maybe they just haven't published the interviews. You know, you never maybe know. So. You give an interview and you never know what actually uh, goes goes to press. Here's my argument against issue two. Look, I, I'm sort of one of these guys. I'm 39 years old. If you're caught with a joint, I don't think you should be thrown in prison for it, even though I think, you know, I, I, I strongly discourage my friends and, and family to smoke marijuana. Okay. I think that its side effects are much more significant than people let on. But, like, whatever. If you're caught with a joint, you should not get thrown in prison. Of course. Here's what I also think. I'd like to be able to take my kid out to dinner in Cleveland or Cincinnati or Columbus and not just be overwhelmed with the smell of weed when you walk down the street. Okay? You go to the places that have recreational marijuana, Denver, Colorado, San Francisco, California, and it becomes like an open-air drug market. There are no limits. There are no exceptions. It's not... Do whatever you want to do in the safety of your home. It's in your face everywhere. That's why I'm a no on issue, too. I want people to not bring this everywhere that kids walk around, play. I want to be able to go to my job. I want to be able to do normal things without being slammed in the face with the smell of weed. 
and the availability of it is going to be more than ever before because at least now there's a there's a there's a chance that if I buy drugs I'm going to get caught and I'm going to be in trouble. You legalize it, they're going to get it not from the dispensaries and pay the uh, the the the, ta- the you know the hiked uh, tax uh, tax price. They're going to get it from dealers, and there's going to be even more of those undercutting the cost of the dispensaries. So it's just going to put more weed in more hands and make it more e- you know easier for for people to access, including kids. I would hope that people would be concerned about that. I would hope so, too, Bob. I mean, we've run this experiment a number of times. We have recreational marijuana in a number of states. What do you see? see traffic incidents go up, traffic fatalities go up, increased usage, especially among young kids. That's not a good thing for the state of Ohio. Glad to hear that you're a no on two, like I said, because not enough people are getting that message. So no on issue one, no on issue two. Let's talk about Senate business now. You are also no on economic aid to Gaza. Yeah. Uh, you had a you had a pretty good showdown there with uh, it was Margaret Brennan I think on That's CBS right. and she was telling you but what about all of the Palestinian children? Uh, tell us why you don't want aid to go to to, uh, to the Gaza Strip. Well, I'll tell you what I, I told her, Bob. If I could wave a magic wand and give food medicine to Palestinian children, I would. Of course, there are a lot of innocent Palestinian kids who are getting caught up in this, but we know on the ground that when we deliver aid to Gaza, Hamas ends up taking it. They are the governing force in the Gaza territory. They control everything. They control the logistics. They control the military, the way that equipment moves. I don't want to send food and medicine to Palestinian children that ends up just further fueling the war effort against Israel, right? Are we going to fund both sides of this conflict? We're going to support the Hamas fighters, and we're going to support the Israelis? That seems like a very, very stupid idea for the American taxpayer. And By the way, as a pro-Israel guy, a very, very bad deal for the the Israeli allies. So uh, this is a really terrible idea. I think that we need to be careful about how we support um, our, our friends in Israel, of course, but we need to do it, in my view. We need to make sure it actually happens, and we need to not support this war in a way that just sends resources to Hamas. Yeah, and Hamas, um, you know, it's been reported even by the New York Times that Hamas has stockpiled food and water and all kinds of, of, of necessities that the Palestinian people or the Gazan people could use, and they sort in underground tunnels for their own use, and they starve out their own people. Absolutely. And that's because they have literally said, uh, the, you know, the leader of Hamas has said, we need the blood of men, women, and children uh, in Gaza to, to be spilled so that we can, what was it, advance and revive our revolutionary spirit against Israel. Yeah. This so. is the explicit strategy. It is to put <clears throat> men, women, and children, innocents, in the face of the war effort, and when they inevitably get killed and injured, to use them as propaganda, propaganda. both for their own war and their own population, but also for European allies of Israel, for American allies of Israel. They're trying to break the resolve here. And look, I I think we have got to give some flexibility to our Israeli friends here. They've been dealing with this problem much longer than we have. The war is not even two weeks old. They've already made significant progress, actually. They've, They've cut North Gaza and South Gaza in half. And North Gaza, of course, is sort of the basis of Hamas. So we ought to let them try to root out this terrorist organization, support them as they do it, obviously offer intelligence support, and 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 counsel when we think that they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but we've got to give these guys some flexibility to accomplish their effort here. So no Gazan aid because Hamas is going to take it. I am right. with you. Fourteen point three billion dollars in Israeli aid. At least that's what was passed by the House yesterday. Um, will it get through the Senate? And and I want you to answer this too because you, like many others, including myself, are done sending money to Ukraine. Yep. They're going to say, "Why Israel, not Ukraine?" Where do you come down? Well, first of all. I've made this point before. Israel is a totally separate country from Ukraine. It has an achievable objective. It's one of our most important allies, and it's 
asking for much, much less money than Ukraine, which has already received $120 billion and is yeah. now asking for $60 billion on top of it. So these are fundamentally different issues, and I think at the very least we should be debating them separately. Now, I would support, and I, will, I plan to vote for, the $14 billion aid package to Israel. We have to remember here that what Speaker Johnson did was actually very smart. He actually paid the bills for once, right? He passed $14 billion of aid to Israel, but he paid for it by cutting $14 billion out of the IRS budget. I think that's a good deal for America and, of course, a good deal for allies. You asked the question, will it pass in the Senate? It's a very tough question to answer, Bob, because unfortunately we have way too many establishment Republicans who would like to tie Israel to Ukraine because they realize that it gives political cover for a very unpopular Ukraine policy. And I don't get it, man, but a lot of these guys are obsessed with sending $60 billion to Ukraine, and I think they're willing to hold up $14 billion of aid to Israel as hostage. They're literally willing to take the Israeli support hostage for $60 billion in Ukraine. I think we have to push back against it. I think this is going to be the fight in Washington over the next two weeks. We should not be holding Ukraine, or excuse me, we should not be holding Israel, Israel hostage to $60 billion for Ukraine. Whatever you believe on the on the Israel question, they're separate issues, and we should not be combining them into this massive spinning package. Speaking of the Senate, the first senator, to my understanding, has indeed now called for a ceasefire. Senator Dick Durbin uh, said we need to have a ceasefire. And Joe Biden, as of yesterday, has warned that Israel's support might be eroding. Hurry up and get on with it and get it done because support is eroding uh, in the rest of the world for them. So he tries to say, does Joe Biden, that our support for Israel is unequivocal, and then he equivocates like you couldn't even believe. Your thoughts on both the ceasefire call from Durbin and whether that will add names to it? Uh, Yeah, and I've already seen some Democratic senators uh, join in with Senator Durbin. Look, this is a very dangerous time for the people of Israel, and we have to be honest about this. And I guess my pitch is, number one, on the actual substance of the policy, it is ridiculous to expect people who lost 1,400 of their own citizens just two weeks ago who are a week and a half into a ground incursion to Gaza to already be calling for a ceasefire. They have an objective. When you have friends, you trust your friends, we should let them accomplish that objective. That's on the policy. We are 10 days into it, Bob. It's crazy to me that these people are already waffling. It is indeed great stuff from Senator J.D. Vance. And guess what? We're not done. We have more with the senator coming right up on America First. I'm Bob France in for Dr. G. It's so good to have you here as a part of the program. And uh, I've got more questions for Senator Vance. Uh, he's, he's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job in the Senate thus far. We've got some big issues in Ohio, as we talked about in the first part of this conversation. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit with you about those two at 833-33-GORKA, 833-334-6752. We want to hear from you. But I've got one more segment with Senator J.D. Vance when we continue right here on America First. Seb Golka. Now let's get back to the show with Bob France. All right, Dr. G, thank you so very much. 33 minutes past the hour, 27 minutes left in the hour. I do want to hear from you in this uh, final half hour of America First on this Friday, but 
And that means you have to dial 833-33-GORKA. But we still have a few more questions. Uh, so let's continue our conversation now with U.S. Senator J.D. Vance talking about calls for a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. Senator Vance. Senator Vance, a ceasefire indicates that both sides agree exactly. to stop firing. I cannot believe that Senator Durbin made that call and so many others on the House side, what we call the Hamas squad or the Hamas caucus. It's much bigger than the actual quote-unquote squad. They don't seem to understand that Hamas has not agreed to a ceasefire. As a matter of fact, Hamas has said no ceasefire. Quoting Ghazi Hamad, member of the Hamas Politburo, October 24th, so it's a week ago, we must teach Israel a lesson and we will do this again and again. The October 7th operation to slaughter defenseless Israelis is, quote, just the first time. There will be a second, a third, and a fourth. That's what a ceasefire means to Hamas. When Israel lays down their weapons, we plan the next October 7th, and the one after that, and the one after that. How can anybody ignore those those statements from Hamas that, no, we're not going to agree to a ceasefire. And by the way, maybe they're sending people over across the southern border to do the same thing here, right? This is this is really a worldwide <clears throat> phenomenon here. We're seeing the rise of Islamic terrorism for the first time in 20 years. Uh, Thank you exactly, for calling it that. Most people are, are, yes. are taking the Islamic part of this out of the equation. They're seeing it as a territorial dispute, not a it's religious not. ideological it is dispute. A, it's absolutely not. And, and, and look, you, you raised the perfect question. If Israel agrees to a ceasefire tomorrow, what happens? Do we think, like, peace breaks out, we're singing kumbaya and throwing out white doves everywhere? No. Hamas is going to attack Israel a week later, two weeks later. You cannot possibly expect the Israelis to lay down their arms 10 days into this process when Hamas is still saying they want to kill their civilians. Here's another thing, Bob. Like, I harp on this a lot. Statesmanship. Statesmanship is recognizing where your allies and where your own population actually is. Joe Biden cannot possibly expect the Israeli government to lay down their arms 10 days into this, given what just happened to them. If your advice to your allies is not rooted in political reality, set to the side that it's stupid advice. Why is he even giving the advice when the entire country of Israel is unified behind rooting out Hamas? He needs to let our friends actually take care of business. You used the word maybe a few minutes ago talking about uh, it's going to happen here in the United States as well because of the southern border. I think there's no maybe about it. We got a report from the San Diego Customs and Border Patrol front uh, that that said absolutely Hamas and Hezbollah specifically, not just saying Arabs who may be, but Hamas and Hezbollah fighters are absolutely coming across that border. We know this for a fact. Now, the question is, is exactly when are they going to strike? Not if. Almost all of the intelligence agencies agree on this, yet the president and his party continue the open door asylum catch and release policy. Is it going to take an explosion in a Capitol building or something uh, on the scale of or slightly less than 9-11 for them to realize this? Bob, it is the craziest thing. I try to understand. I really try to understand where the other side is coming from. I don't assume that I know everything. The Biden border invasion is the worst set of policies I have ever seen from an administration. He is actively inviting lawlessness, drugs, terrorism, sex trafficking into the country, and they're not doing anything about it. This is not rocket science, okay? Some problems are hard, right? This is not rocket science. You need to put people at the border who tell the guys who are trying to cross illegally, go back and go through the proper channels, and they are not willing to do that. They are inviting people. They're actually fighting. We we, we sent a letter to the uh, CFPB about this yesterday, I believe, Bob. They are fighting banks from who don't want to lend to illegal aliens. They're actually trying to prevent banks from not lending to illegal aliens. This is crazy. It's not even we're facilitating the invasion. We're not going to tell American financial institutions they have to lend money to these guys after they break America's laws. 
It's insane. And yes, Bob, I fear we're not going to get pushback until either we get a new president, uh, which we get an opportunity to do that in about a year, or until some very significant tragedy happens in our country. God forbid. I hope it doesn't happen. But we are in a very tough spot. Well, Senator Vance, I know you are one of the very few who are speaking out about uh, about that against in the uh, issue of banks lending to illegals. I'm so glad that you are doing that, and I'm glad you're doing so many of the things you are doing. We didn't get a chance to get into the uh, no mask mandates and the transportation bill. That's a great amendment, too. You're doing great work, Senator Vance. Thanks, Bob. No one issue one. And on issue two. That's exactly right. No one issues one and two. I, I Listen, Senator Vance... <clears throat> I said it before, I think he's hitting all the marks since he uh, since he uh, uh, replaced Rob Portman. I think we have a significant upgrade there. But the first two issues we talked about, in case you were not listening to it uh, or missed it, uh, the first two issues are issue one, issues one and two in Ohio. And lest, lest you think that these things don't matter in the rest of the country, um, I, I think you're, you're mistaken. Ohio, where we reside, where I am, where Senator Vance represents, is in the heartland. It's a red state in the heartland. If it becomes the most extreme abortion law state in America, the dominoes will start to fall. Because this amendment that's coming, that we're going to vote on on Tuesday here in this state, will be far more extreme than anything in California, New York, or anywhere else. It's that radical. All right. We've got more time for you coming up. 833-333-GORKA. I'm Bob France in for Dr. G. Let's hear from you on America First. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.